0: Mark chapter 6, and I'm going to begin reading where we left off last time, and that is verse 30. And you'll remember that the last time we were in Mark 6, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the execution, the death, the martyr, the murder of John the Baptist, right? Mark chapter 6 and verse 30, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Just hit the pause button for a moment. In a sermon before the one about the beheading of John the Baptist, the sermon just before that was when Paul sent the apostles out by twos to go and preach the gospel in the regions of... um, Galilee. So here in this passage, it tells us in verse 30 that they gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Verse 31. And he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while for there were many coming and going and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship, privately. And the people saw them departing. These are the people that are there in the area, the people that watched them. The people saw them departing, and many knew him. They recognized who Jesus was. And ran afoot, thither, out of all cities, and outwent them. In other words, they outran them. The disciples are going by boat... These people are running around the coastline. They outwent them and came together unto him. Now, why are, they, why are the disciples making this journey? This, they're going on a cruise, right? Why are they making this? They want some away time. They want some seclusion. They want to get away from people. You say, surely preachers don't ever want to get away from people. <laughs> but what happened? The people just followed them. Verse 34, And Jesus When he came out, saw much people, in verse 34, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Let's stop right there and pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We come before you sincerely asking for your help as we go through the scriptures, not only to understand what was happening in the lives of these apostles, these disciples, and of course of Jesus, But also, Lord, to understand some things about our life and, Lord, how you'd have us to live life. We pray for that today and we trust you for it today. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher, is our prayer. And may we be obedient to what you say to us. And we ask for these things in the name that's above every name, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you. Amen. You may be seated. So the disciples basically needed what we might call a retreat, and there's several things. There's several things that are playing together at this moment, and I think all of them are significant or relevant. The first one is the death of John the Baptist. We read about it just prior to this in verse 29, for instance, of in Mark chapter 6, when his disciples, or excuse me, verse 28, they brought his head, John the Baptist's head, and a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when the, his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, heard of it, they came and took up his corpse, laid it in a tomb. So that's happening even as this verse 30 is, is uh, takes up. Hold your finger right here in Mark chapter 6 if you would, and go to the left to the Gospel of Matthew, because Matthew's recording of the execution of John the Baptist includes a detail... Not included in Mark. We're in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 10 says, And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. We're in Mark 14.10. the beheading of John the Baptist, verse 11. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel and she brought it to her mother and his disciples came, that's John the Baptist's disciples came and took up the body and buried it. All those details are in Mark's gospel but not the last phrase, and went and told Jesus. So as soon as this happened, as soon as John the Baptist was killed, the disciples, his disciples, came and gave his body a a proper burial, but then they went to Jesus and told Jesus what had happened. So go back to Mark chapter 6. So when we have this group in verse 30 of apostles gathering themselves together unto Jesus... It was with the awareness of what had happened to John. Jesus had been informed. Jesus had been given the gruesome news. The disciples had been given. The disciples hadn't all been there. They'd been around Galilee, preaching and teaching. They'd been on this preaching tour, we would call it, around Galilee. And so, but they're dealing with the loss of John the Baptist. Now, we read things like this just like you'd read a biography. If you're reading a biography, you know about some historical figure. You're not affected emotionally, generally, by that, right? You know, um, I read biographies about uh, George Custer whenever he, you know, he fought in the Civil War and then Custer was killed uh, up in South Dakota, the battle, you know, of uh, Big Little Big Horn. And I've been that place and kind of covered the grounds. And, uh, but you know, he's, he wasn't anybody I knew personally, you know what I'm saying? And so we can't relate to that. But to these disciples, this was, a, this was an emotional time. John the Baptist had brought the gospel uh, to that group of people. And they were, most of these people that were all the people that were the apostles they knew John the Baptist they knew about his message he had they had even been baptized by John the Baptist and and so it was more than just the execution of a man but it also represented a shift in the dynamics and you could see this in the new testament as far as persecution Jesus has been dealing with these enormous crowds tremendous popularity multitudes of people But the opposition is going to begin to grow between the political and religious leaders. And so we have this dynamic in Mark chapter 6 and verse 30. And that's the death of John the Baptist. The second thing we have going on is these disciples. Look if you would please in verse 30 where it says they gathered themselves together. They had been out preaching. They had been on this ministry tour really. And they're going to give a report of their ministry. Notice what it says in verse 30. The apostles gathered themselves together with Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. They began to tell Jesus what they had done. They were recounting. They'd gone out in pairs, into villages, into towns, along the roads. And they're they're going to tell him all about this. They're reporting back this evangelistic ministry they've been involved in. Kind of a time of getting Jesus' feedback, if you would. Try to think about that. Now, they've been with Jesus ministering. They ministered in the same area of Galilee with Jesus. This was their first solo outreach. So they're being debriefed. They're explaining where they've been and what's been happening. But also not what they had done, but look in verse 30, and what they had taught. They're sharing the way the preaching had gone, how people had received the message. No doubt they talked about opportunities that opened up in the way God blessed Maybe the way they were rejected from time to time. By the way, one thing that's embedded in this is the matter of accountability. These men were on their own. They were accountable to the group. They were accountable to Jesus. And and Jesus is further discipling them. I'm sure he's telling them, "Here's, here's how you could have handled that. So there are two things going on. You have the death of John the Baptist you have the reunion of these apostles who are coming back after their first missionary trip. And then you have the fact, and we see this in the text, and this is really the main thought that comes out in this text as I read it, and that is they desperately needed rest. Uh, These men were emotionally empty. They're dealing with the death of a close friend. They're physically and spiritually drained. I believe the demands of the people are such that Jesus knew this. Look in verse 31. And He said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. So the demands of this people required that they they get some refreshment. They needed some rest. By the way, the ministry, like anything else, and maybe more so than most things, can be draining and demanding. They didn't, Jesus wasn't saying you need to get out of the ministry. Jesus said you need to unplug for a while. You need a break. You need a time to, to, get, to get some rest. And so to me, this speaks not just to them, but to us in general about the value of rest. It's an interesting thing. Uh, sometimes when I'm studying a passage like this, um, I keep pretty good records of sermons. And I preached on this passage, for instance, in 1991. And uh, so I I pull out these sermons, and then I don't have to study anymore, right? So I just just put a different title and a different date and see if it'll fly again. Now I read over these things as a resource. And in that 1991, in that sermon outline, I made this comment of how much I didn't like rest. Because my wife will tell you, for many years of my life, I saw rest sort of as a is a necessary evil. If I could, I'd have gone 24 hours a day. You know, that's the way I felt. And I'm thinking, that's not the way I feel now. I value rest now. It's <laughs> 65 years old, rest means more to me than it's ever meant. Because our bodies, you know, they, they, they don't have the strength, the vigor, the vitality. And so, so anyway, things, so I didn't use that point in my sermon, really. <laughs> my views about rest have changed. But you know, when you think about it, the, the subject of rest, for, for a lot of people, is not a, a topic that they would turn to the Bible about and see if the Bible has any things to say about it, but I'll tell you, these men needed rest and all people need rest. You could actually call this the doctrine of rest, that's not what I'm calling I'm calling it, come ye apart, because that's exactly what Jesus told these guys to do, I, I've, I've I don't know who originated this statement. It's been attributed to Vance Havner, who was a well-known preacher. But I've heard it a lot of times. If you don't come apart in rest, you'll come apart. Taken from this phrase, come apart. God made us to need rest. All of us. Even those in the gospel ministry. Those like myself with a life calling. People who are missionaries or whatever. And I I just want to say, personally, I love... I love the work of the ministry. I love serving the Lord in any capacity He would allow me to. And it's been my privilege for many years to be doing what I'm doing. And to be able to do it as my primary uh, uh, occupation, let's just call it that. But I've worked a lot of different jobs, I mean all kinds of things. I was just reminiscing this morning about different things I've done that are not easy jobs. I remember when I worked for my father-in-law one time before uh, we were married... And he had, at that time, they, he had bricklaying crews. And I got to be, they call it a hod carrier. That means you're carrying mud. And up scaffoldings, all kinds. That's hard work. Texas sun, hot work. And I thought, man, I hope this is not how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. If we spend our forever together. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm familiar with hard work. You know, spending all day in a hay field, piling hay on a trailer putting that hay up in a hot barn in Texas. I'm talking about hot work, this draining and work that just takes everything out of you. We made a humble living for a while in our lives, two different times actually, cutting and firewood and selling firewood. Not what it, I like doing it. I love being in the woods. I'm just telling you, I know, I know a little bit about hard work, but I've never been in a job that's more demanding than the ministry is. And it's not just physically demanding. It's emotionally and spiritually demanding. And I'm just telling you, these guys needed a break. You know, people are, people are funny. Now, if you've ever done this, I'm not saying this about you, but sometimes I'll come home from a trip just like we've been on, and people say, did you enjoy your vacation? <laughs> and I said, I, really, I did. I enjoyed myself. But the truth of the matter is, in 13 days, I've preached 17 times, plus... Dozens of hours of studying and preparing and trying to be what God wants me to be. And counseling, many hours of counseling, including counseling pastors. And so, yes, when I come home, I'm refreshed. You know, I'm just, I'm just filled. I'm just full of energy. Right. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I wouldn't give anything for what God has given me to do. But even in the ministry, people need Arrest. These disciples needed some downtime. They need this was an occasion, and Jesus said it. Jesus wrote out the prescription and said, You need a break. It's taking his toll on them. And notice what he prescribed for them in verse 32. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. They got in the boat and they said, We what we need is some solitude. Now, I just want to think about that, all of us. Not just for these men, not just for Jesus, not just for, but for your own life, for your own family. What he prescribed for them was to get into a private place where they could rest. They would discuss the ministry. They would talk about the way the ministry was going. They would get perspective on the death of John the Baptist and the emotional trauma that it was for them. They'd get rejuvenation from this time of extended ministry. And by the way, Jesus needed those things Himself. We'll, we'll get to this later in another message, but just look over a little further down in verse 45. This is soon after the passage we're dealing with today, but look in verse 45 of Mark 6. It says, "...in straightway He constrained His disciples to get into the ship." And to go to the other side, before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. So here he sends the disciples on a boat. He sends the people away. And here he is alone. And verse 46 says, And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. I'm just saying even Jesus needed times of solitude. The disciples needed times of solitude. Not just just away from the grind of your job, but times to be alone with the Lord. And that's what this was. This was time alone with the Lord. The disciples needed it. Jesus needed it. And is it wrong to suggest that we all need it? Just time alone with the Lord. They didn't just need time away from the work. They needed time with the Lord. Now we're going to come back to this text in just a moment. But I want you to hold your finger there in Mark 6. And go to the book of Isaiah. And I want to read one of the most well-known passages in Isaiah. And we're going to be in chapter 40. Because it talks about renewal. It talks about refreshing in Isaiah chapter 40, the very end of the chapter, some part of this you've probably read and even memorized, but it begins by asking some questions. Beginning in verse 28, Isaiah 40 and verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Verse 29, he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths. Now I don't know who all that applies to, but I know who it doesn't apply to. (laughs) Even the youths, young people, shall feign and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But here's the promise. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Now where does this renewal come from? Where does this renewed strength come from? It comes from waiting upon the Lord. Being with the Lord. Spending time with the Lord. And I think most of us would agree with this. It, it's something that we all need, but sometimes we just fail to make it happen. We don't schedule it. But all of us need it. All of us need time where it's just us and the Lord. I've, I've, I know of a man whose church voted years ago, uh, he's a pastor. To send him away every year for three solid weeks, just to be and not to answer his phone, not to answer messages, texts, just to be able to be with the Lord. And that's a, that's a great gift, and I'm sure he appreciates it, and I think God probably really uses it. But all of us need time of solitude. You say, I can't have it. We, we must have it. We can figure out a way to have it. Time to be still. I was, I was in North Dakota and a man came up to me after services and he told me, he says, you know, I want you to know that every day of my life, every day that I go to work, my work schedule, I get up at 4.30 in the morning and I spend time alone with the Lord. And he says, every day I read one of your devotions every day just to get myself fed spiritually before I go out into the day. It's, all of us need what only God can give. Not what men can give, not what motivational speakers can give. What can God give us? He promised us, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. And Jesus said these men needed it. And Jesus himself waited upon the Lord. And all of us need that. Turn the phone off. Turn the TV off. Turn everything off. And just spend time... With the Lord. It doesn't have to be a long time, but it's valuable time. That's what these these people just didn't need a break from the from responsibilities. They needed a time of solitude, and all of us need time of rest. We live in a very busy time, and I'm not going to get too far off of this subject, but um, we're busy. And I you know something I've never read in the Bible? I've never read in the Bible where God's going to reward us just because we're so busy. right? I don't think it's in there. I, I, now busy is okay. And, and I think personally, and I know this is true, people are busier now than they've ever been. And in, in in the generations that I've known, my life has spanned a couple of generations. And people worked long days in the past, right? They worked hard in the fields, harvest time, whatever. But they didn't fill their life with leisure and activities that just fill their schedule. We have to be careful about that. The way we... Think about our schedule. We need Schedule in some time with the Lord. Make sure you have time with the Lord. And um, I don't know what to call this. I'm going to call it the rhythm of life, the way God made life to be. And there are two extremes here. And I'm, and I'm just talking about what Jesus talked about here in Mark chapter 6. One extreme is those who seldom rest or they don't get the rest they need. That's not good. It's not healthy. But the other extreme is people who just love inactivity so much that they're seldom active. That's not healthy either. Neither extreme is good. Young people, think about this. Just, now just think, so, let this soak in. God made our bodies to work. Just saying that causes pain to some people. <laughs> God made our bodies to work before there ever was a sin in, on the earth. When God made Adam and Eve... God made Adam. He put him in the garden. He had never sinned. It was a perfect environment. And God gave him physical outside work to do. Is that right or wrong? Because that's the way God made us. So so if you're a young person, and you, you may be like a lot of people, they say, well, if I could have my way, I'd never physically work hard. You're talking about wanting something that God never intended to be. Work is good for us. That's a part of God's biblical purpose for our life. It's a virtue. Even spiritual work. This is not a command to preachers. This is a command to Christians. All church members in Corinth, it, the Bible says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always, you're busy about the Lord's work. That's written for us. But also, God made our bodies and minds to need rest. Work is something we, work is by design. I'm talking about a biblical worldview. By design, work is something we do the majority of our days and the majority of our time, right? That's the way God made us. But rest is something we also need. But we don't need as much rest as we have work, no matter how we think we should live. God never intended for us to lay around all the time. We rest when we need it. But being lazy as a lifestyle is not God's plan. Amen? And we teach our, you know, most of the, our children are in another place in these buildings, but we teach our children that. The value of work. It's a good thing. There's a big difference in resting when we need it and being lazy as a lifestyle. Laziness is a sin. Even the, even the Sabbath that God established, right? God established the Sabbath as a time of weekly rest from the routine of physical work. A day of rest from our labors. This is what the Bible says. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. Six days. But there ought to be a time of rest. Think about this. Now, you, you may not think this is important, but God even gave the farm animals a rest, right? They had a Sabbath. He even gave the ground where they planted their crops a rest. God knows best. And so they, this, this is, a, I call again, this rhythm of life. We have working and we have rest. And we need to follow that. Go with me, if you would, please, to the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Mark chapter 6. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Another familiar passage, and I'm going to just look at the beauty of this passage in regard to what we're talking about today. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that what? labor and are heavy laden, burdened down. And Jesus gives us this great promise. I will give you rest. You come to me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest under your souls. Now there's a, there's not just, there's physical rest, but this is more than just physical rest. This is, Emotional rest. Internal rest. This is rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You who labor and are heavy laden. He says, come to me. That's what, the, that's what Jesus did with the disciples. Come apart. Come to me. That's what Isaiah said. They that wait upon me. God wants to be the source of our true rest. He, he gives us rest for our souls. Not just physical rest. Not just emotional rest. But spiritual rest. It's found in him. You know, David knew a lot about life. A lot about shepherding. A lot about agri- being outside. Things that livestock work in that regard. And he wrote this great psalm. The 23rd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. And he said this about the Lord, his shepherd. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He he is the one who gives us rest. By contrast, I was reading this this morning in Isaiah 57. He says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. You know, God wants to give us rest. But, but the, the d- wickedness and sin troubles our life. And God wants to give us rest. We were just studying a few pages before this in Mark about this demonized man who could not rest, right? Troubled, crying out, hurting himself, hurting other people. Just couldn't be held by chains, couldn't be, couldn't be tied down. But something happened when he met Jesus. And when they found him, he was sitting and clothed in his right mind. You know what? He had peace of mind. Jesus gives us that. Jesus gives us that. And today, there's... I'm, I'm mainly talking about the need for emotional rest. I mean, dealing with the trauma of losing someone like John the Baptist, that's a tough thing to go through. But Jesus wanted to help them process that. Help them, help them internalize His grace in their life. There's emotional rest. There's physical rest. We just get worn out sometimes. We just need a break. We need to, we need to kind of replenish ourselves. You know, you spend and spend and spend until you're spent We need that physically. But more than anything, we need the rest in our soul that God can give us. And if you're not saved, you don't really know that. You know, people, it's amazing how how troubled people are. And I don't say that in a critical way. I'm just saying in a reality. People are troubled. They don't have the rest of knowing. Like the song we heard a moment ago. Man, that song does something for me to think about. I know where I'm going. You know where I'm going to be. It's, you don't, people that don't know the Lord don't know that. They're, they're concerned about the future. And Jesus said this. In the, the further you get into toward the, the coming of the Lord, He talks about how men's hearts are failing them. How troubled they are. And that describes a lot of people. A lot of young people. People are trying to find rest and peace in a lot of different places. But I just want to say to you today, the place that rest is really found is in a person. And it's in Jesus Christ. He gives rest to our soul. Spiritual rest and even emotional comfort. Jesus does that. And so the, the, the basic message of this passage in Mark 6, when these disciples were troubled emotionally, Jesus himself... He knew that John, what would happen to John the Baptist. It wasn't a surprise to him, but that doesn't mean he didn't care about him. And then they're, and then they're coming back from this, no, no doubt, an exciting but also a, a draining time of ministry on their own for the first time. They're coming out of that. And you know what Jesus said? Let's just get apart. Let's come aside. Let's, let's find some solitude. Let's find a break. But you know, Jesus, will deal with this next week. But Jesus says, oh, you know, he saw the people coming, the crowds of people. If I was the disciples, I'd be thinking, we had a vacation plan. <laughs> we're on this boat, we're worn out, we're given out, we've, we're, we're, we're troubled about what happened to John. I mean, we just need a break. And then we come across, I can just see him coming across the land saying, praise God, it's going to be nice, no people, no problems. And then before they get there, all these people start coming out. They're thinking, man, what happened to my vacation? But you know what, Jesus, he saw those troubled people, and he immediately began to minister to them. Because that's the way Jesus is, amen? Come apart. Here's what I'd like to ask you to think about today, and we're finished. Number one, if you don't know the Lord, I mean, talking about have a relationship with the Lord. No amount of coming to church or doing good stuff will ever ever suffice what you need in your life you need a relationship with him where he helps you i'll tell you when he says peace be still to your troubled heart it makes a difference but you got to come to him you got to for some it may mean you got to swallow my pride i mean people think i'm saved this is going to be a, but listen you need the lord and you don't have to come in this service but you, there's no reason you couldn't and shouldn't But you can just come to somebody afterwards and say, I need to talk to somebody. I need to get this thing figured out. I need to get this thing nailed down. Don't, you know, don't procrastinate about that. You need the Lord. And maybe you're here as a Christian, but you're, you can identify and relate to the fact that sometimes life just keeps swallowing us up. It's just life. It's hurts and disappointments and work and children and responsibilities and errands and all this stuff and you just feel wore out just saying it makes me kind of fatigued and I'm just telling you that Jesus says sometimes you just need to come apart come aside be alone with him, secluded alone with him I don't do this as much as I used to But my wife will verify this. Sometimes I used to just get in my car and drive around this town. Most Sunday mornings, there was a time in my life that almost every Sunday morning I got in my car and I just went for a drive out in the country. You know why? Because there's just something about being in a place that it's just going to be you and Him. But finally we kicked all the kids out, that made it easier. (laughs) You need Him. You need to spend time with Him. Amen?